<laughs> when you buy new clippers to trim your beard, make sure you know what the size of the guard is, because uh, Kim's prayers were answered. It all came off yesterday, so it is good to see all of you. Let me welcome you to First Baptist Church. There's a QR code on the back if you know how to work that, and you can give more information about the church if you'd like to. Also, inside the pews, there should be some information, information cards you can put in the offering plate at the end if you're a guest. We'd love to, to give you um, any information you would like. Don't forget, on the back of the bulletin, at Wednesday night, um, this Wednesday night is the first of our Wednesday night meals. They're just starting back. You'll need to register by tomorrow. I think by 2 o'clock is what it says, and so, so we can know how many to cook for. The menu's there. I will tell you, at least one week out of each month, we're going to ask you to bring kind of a covered dish until we can get the fourth cooker. And so the second week of February, we'll have um, uh, soups and all the fixings and that kind of stuff and ask you to bring those. And what's more romantic than a Wednesday night, Valentine's Day, with covered dish soup, right? So... Um, there are several announcements that I just want to call your attention to. I don't take for granted that you'll read them all, so let me just go through them. First of all, the Valentines for the veterans, please take part in that with our WMU as they participate in that. Um, if you're a church member, you are the, have the first option to register your, register your children in our kindergarten daycare, but you need to be on the waiting list. That tells you how to, tells you when we're going to have that registration. All you need to do is call and get your child's name on the list. Let me remind you, that's for parents who have children in the daycare. It's not for grandparents, okay, who have children, grandchildren in the daycare, unless you're the custodial parent. If you happen to be that, then you can register as well. Um, it's also not for nieces or nephews. We, we have a lot of those phone calls. So I'm just letting you, for the parents of children. And then ladies, notice the well um, gathering date has been changed to 25th. And then also the um, tickets are on sale for the Kelly Mentor. Um, after February 11th, next week, um, they'll go to the public. So please make sure that you, you take part of that. And the rest of it, you can see the Deacon Reserve list. And then on February 18th, men in the NPR, there'll be the Sons of Thunder event. Todd Jones will be speaking to us, and there'll be a chili cook-off. And um, Randall um, Russell Beasley will have to defend his title. So just we'll have more information about that next week's bulletin. But are you ready to worship today? Amen. You've already welcomed one another, and so we do want to welcome all of you, for, um, and thank you for being here. But let's start with our call to worship, and um, let's read it together. Um, it's a new one. I forgot it's February, so um, let's read it together. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Straight out of Psalm 63, what a wonderful passage. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather. I thank you for those who have braved the rain, and we pray for those who could not get out, and we ask God that you would give us a great time of worship today. I know that there is much going on in all of our lives. There are many distractions, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would focus us for a few moments, 
that you would turn our eyes toward you and that we would worship you as you deserve to be worshiped. Bless this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. scripture will come from Matthew 5 27 through 30 you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart if your right eye causes you to sin tear it out and throw it away for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. This is the word of the Lord. Stand as we worship in song and sing, Fairest Lord Jesus, bless his holy name. Number 47.
Amen. Let's pray together. Would you join me? Father, we come before you and we do want to praise your name. We thank you for the gift of worship and hymns that bring us back a long way in memory of singing them with those that we love, many of whom have gone on to be with you. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of music. Father, we just want to stop now and remember those in our church who, who have need. We want to lift them to you and pray for them. We especially want to pray for little baby Camille as she faces some very serious heart surgery tomorrow. God, I just pray for Landon and Balin as they, as they watch their little daughter go for six hours or more of heart surgery. I pray for them, God. I pray for Kim and Jonathan, his grandparents. But I ask, Lord, that you give the doctors wisdom, that you give the nurses wisdom. We pray for a miracle. You, you do miracles by divinely touching us and healing. You do miracles through doctors and medicine. And, and we just ask, God, for your hand to be upon that little girl's life. Thank you that, that we can call upon you with our troubles. We lift up those in our church who, who are struggling with different diseases and different things. We thank you for Larry being here today and, and for finding out maybe it's the medicine. And God, we thank you for that and just ask that you would continue to be with him. And God, we, we lift up our country to you. We lift up the whole Middle East and we pray, God, for, for your hand and your will and your, your power, but most of all, for your gospel to spread. We love you, Lord. I thank you for this passage of Scripture, for your word. I thank you for the book of Colossians, so rich and so deep, the treasures and the riches that are here for us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. What an amazing thing. So bless us now as we read it, bless us as we try to understand it, and help us as we apply it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be in prayer for Camille. She, the surgery, I think, starts at 6 a.m. tomorrow at Children's Hospital, and um, it's about six hours or more of surgery, and she's 13 months old, and so born with a heart defect and already been through a couple surgeries, so please continue tomorrow morning to pray all through that time for them. If you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2, we looked at verses 1 through 5 last week, but let's look at just verses 6 and 7 today. So if you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading and then preaching of God's Word. It's an incredible passage of Scripture. The Gospel's just here what God has done for us. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. As I was studying a couple weeks ago, looking at this passage, I, I read a sermon by a pastor, in, and he brought back to mind in his, in his sermon the story of the movie um, Saving Private Ryan. 
many of you may have seen it with Tom Hanks. And, and the whole story is based around World War II and, and a mother who, who loses all of her sons but one. And that one son is somewhere stationed inside of Germany. And, and so Tom Hanks, who's a captain in that movie, and a group of men are tasked with the, with, the, with, the, with the assignment of going and finding that young man and bringing him home safely to his mother. They finally find him, and, and at the end of the movie, um, it, it all goes awry, and everything's big battle. And Tom Hanks, who plays Captain Miller, is, is dying there on a bridge. And he looks at Private, say, Private Ryan, and he says, earn this, earn it. Everyone had died to get them free. Earn this, earn it. The movie closes with Private Ryan's um, standing over Captain Miller. He's now an old man. His family's gathered around him, and he says to the tombstone, my family's with me today. They wanted to come with me. I wasn't sure how I'd feel coming back here. Every day I think about what you said to me on the bridge. Earn this. And I've tried to live my life the best I could. I hope that it was enough. I hope that at least in your eyes, I've earned what you have done for me. And he looks at his wife and he says, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I've lived a good life. It's an incredible scene. I I've watched it several times. I've never watched it without tears. But the sad thing is, many of us live our lives like Private Rhyme. Christ died for us. Christ earned everything for our salvation and for our glory. And we somehow still think we've got to earn it. We live our lives trying to live in such a way that in Jesus' eyes, we've earned what he's done for us. It's a great movie, but it's a terrible understanding of the gospel. That is not how we live our lives. Jesus' salvation comes to us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's for his glory alone. And we don't earn it. The truth is, church, we can never earn it. We didn't deserve it. It's grace. It's by faith. Paul says that just as we're saved, so we're to live. The Christian life is centered in Jesus. It's centered in what Jesus did, what Jesus is doing now and in what Jesus will one day do in our lives when we meet him face to face. Our text today gives us the, the key to, to living the Christian life in his grace and by his grace and, and doing it for his glory. You'll notice it opens with the, with the simple word, therefore. I don't have to even say it, but I'm going to. When you see a therefore, you ask what? What's it there for? Paul's continuing what he's been saying. 
I know I keep saying this, but we've got to see the connection to what he said previously to what he's saying now. Paul is continuing it. He's, he's building on what we've been studying. But you know, it's interesting as we come to this, we're just now entering the main body of the letter. Everything up to this point, the last nine sermons, have been on the introduction and the greeting. Paul's now about to hit the body of the sermon, the body of the letter, and that will continue all the way to chapter 4, verse 6. So we come to this body of the letter, and, and as we do, in just a moment we'll see it, we come to the, the first of the commands that are in this book. There's not been a command yet, not one imperative until now. Look at what he says, therefore, as you received Christ, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord. When we were saved, we, we received Jesus. We, we trusted in what Jesus did for us. We received him. We trusted in him. We placed faith in what he did. And we realized that what he did was enough for our salvation. Jesus is the gift of the gospel. We received him, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And the truth is, the entirety of the Christian life is really nothing more than learning to live out the implications of our union with Christ. The entirety of the Christian life is really nothing more than learning to live out the implications of our union with Christ, that we're in Him and that He's in us. And we'll see this over and over in the verses to come. The moment we believe the gospel, the moment we receive Christ, the moment Christ comes inside of us through the Holy Spirit, we receive him. Notice this, Christ, Christ Jesus the Lord, Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the promised one, he's our prophet, our priest, and our king, he's Christ Jesus. Literally, his name means the Lord is our salvation. He is a historical figure. He walked on the earth. We see it not only in the Bible, but in other writings during his day. It is a confirmed fact that Jesus walked on this earth. Christ Jesus. But look at this. The Lord. Christ Jesus, the Lord. When we say we receive Jesus, we receive all of that. We receive Jesus, the historical one who walked upon the earth as the God-man, the incarnate one, the, the God in the flesh. We receive the Messiah that was promised, the, the prophet that comes, the priest that comes, the king that comes, the Lord of lords, the king of kings. We, we not only believe in this person, but, but understand to believe in Christ Jesus the Lord, not only to believe in him as a historical person, but we believe everything he taught and everything the apostles said about him. Amen? That's what it is to be saved. It's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. We, we don't go like, like the Thomas Jefferson and, and, and cut out the parts of the Bible we don't like. We take it all and we believe it all. For the apostle Paul, there's, there's just no line of separation between our belief and our behavior. 
When we believe in Jesus, he comes inside of us. He, he moves in us. He's, he's our Lord. And, our, and because he's in us through his spirit, our, our behavior changes. We're different. We're different people because he's in us. And so constantly the scripture tells us, look not at what you say you believe, but look at the fruit that comes from what you believe. Look at the fruit of your life. Is he Lord? In your life. The command is simple here. As you receive Jesus, walk. So walk in Him. That's the command. So walk in Him. What's interesting is to, to see, I want you to just look at it. Look at chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. Really, what Paul's saying here in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 is what he's already prayed in verses 9 through 12. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as look at it, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You see that? Fully pleasing to him. He tells us how bearing fruit in every good work. And it's interesting, he starts giving these participles. Bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, in all, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified, who has made you fit to share in the inheritance of the saints in his life. That's what he's talking about here. Someone has said, Paul's prayer in chapter 1 has become a command in chapter 2. He's prayed for us to walk in him. Now he commands us to walk in him. Live your life in faith. Live your life by grace. Live your life in the union with Christ. That Christ is in you the hope of glory. We find it in 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. How do we do that? How do we walk in him? One of the things I love about the Bible and what I love about Paul as he writes the, the divine scriptures for us is that he often gives us a command and then turns around and tells us how to do it. Back in chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, the passage I just read, he tells you something he's praying for, and then he gives you four participles and how to do that, how to walk in him. Here he gives a command, and he turns around and gives four more participles telling you how to do it. So the command is, is the one thing that we must do, okay? That's the one thing we must do. Walk in him. Now, I know there are other things we do, but it all centers in that. The moment you step out of fellowship with him, you're no longer doing what he's called you to do in anything. Walk in him. And then he gives us the four things that God is doing. The four things that God is doing. And what he's telling us is, is the only way we can live out the command to walk in him is because God is doing these things. And when God does these things, we are enabled to walk in him. It all works together. He, he's showing us how to live it out. Paul's prayer in chapter 1, Paul takes us back to four images. Here he takes us to four more images. Let me show you. First of all, there's an image of farming, okay? Farming. Er, uh, several commentators pointed this out, and pastors. Farming. He says, <laughs> excuse me, being rooted. 
rooted and built up. Look at that word, rooted. It's, it's literally, and, and I think, I didn't look at all of them, but the New American Standard gets it right. It's having been rooted. That's what he says. So walk in him, having been rooted. When were we rooted in Christ? The moment we trusted in him. The moment we believed in him. The moment we were convicted by the Holy Spirit at what Jesus did for us, and we, we trusted and prayed for him and acknowledged him as our Lord. God rooted us. We're, we're like the tree in Psalm 1. His leaf does not wither. He bears fruit in its season, and whatever he does prospers. We, we're rooted. We have fruit. We don't wither. We prosper. We go through struggling times. But, but I want you to get this. When, when he says you were rooted, having been rooted, it's, it's once and for all. Church, hear this. We, we believe that, that once you are in Christ, you, you're never out of Christ. Because God has rooted us once and for all. We were permanently rooted in Christ. Nothing can take us away. Nothing can snatch us out of his hand. God did that in response to our faith. The Holy Spirit convicted us. The Holy Spirit led us to repent of our sin. He enabled us to, to, to trust in what Christ did for us. And when we did that, when we prayed that, when we trusted in that, God rooted us. He rooted us in Christ. Isn't it interesting? Maybe it's just me, but no one else seemed to notice this. But I, he, he commands us to, to walk in him. And then he says, you're rooted. So I thought about it, how we could be commanded to walk and then said that we're being rooted in him. Faith isn't about believing in Jesus and then moving on. That's what the false teachers are going to teach them. Yes, you've received the gospel, but now let us show you the deeper things. It's what the heretics in the prosperity gospel teach you. Yes, yes, you believe in Jesus, but, but, but let me teach you the deeper things. It's even what we see in some of the Wesleyanism where it says, yes, you believe in Jesus and got the Holy Spirit, but you need a second filling and a third. You need a, a second experience of the Holy Spirit. Being rooted in Jesus is, 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 is something that, that gives us the root so that we can walk in him. We don't just receive Jesus, pray a little prayer, and go on about our life. No, it, it roots us. It roots us in Jesus. We walk in Jesus by growing deeper in him. And the deeper our roots go down, the better we're able to walk in him. We never move beyond the depth of the gospel, church. That's why Luther says, preach the gospel to yourself every day. We, we never move out of the depths of the gospel. We remember what they said, the, the gospel is shallow enough for a toddler to play in, but deep enough for an elephant to swim in. We must constantly get into the deep end and grow in him. We're rooted in him. But second, there's a reference from construction. We have a farming reference and then a construction or a building reference. We are 
rooted in him. But notice what he says. We are being built up in him. That's, that's literally the way he says it. Being built up. You were, you were rooted. That's, that's in the perfect tense. But this one's present tense. It's continual. God rooted us once and for all, but he's continually building us up. We're built up, notice that, in him. Built up in Jesus. We're being made more and more like the image of Jesus. We're, we're being more and more formed into the image of Jesus. The idea is found in a couple of verses. Let me show you. Ephesians 2.20. Paul says, as members of the household of God, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You see that? We are being built. Being built on Jesus, the foundation. In verse 22 of that same passage, he says, in him you also are being built together. There's a need for the body of Christ to be together. We're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see it? We're being built. God's working in us. Peter said, he said, like living stones, we're being built up, and it's a spiritual house. What a great picture. We're, we're stones built up like in, in a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're being built. We are planted into Christ, grafted into the vine, which is Christ. And God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, when we're planted in him, begins to build us, sanctify us, make us holy, builds us up in Jesus. Faith in Jesus results in becoming more and more like Jesus. More and more like him as we grow in discipleship. That's a third image. A couple have referred it this way, and, and I'll explain in a moment. But there's, a, there's a, a reference to the legal world here. Reference to the legal world. We are rooted. We have been rooted. We are being built. And then he says, we're being established in the faith, just as you were taught. We're being established. It's a continual process. God is moving in us. He's, he's, he's establishing us. He, he does it, and he continues to do it. The, the reason it's a legal reference is some have pointed out it, it, it's often found in legal text back in, in, in the day of Paul where it speaks of validating or guaranteeing something. This work that God does in your life, this rooting, this building up is, is a validation. It's a guarantee. It's, it's God, as he said in Philippians, that he, he, he finishes what he begins. And so when you look at your life and you see the faith that you place it, and you see the growth in your life, it's, it, it, it's a validation of the Spirit moving in your life. He establishes us in the faith just as you were taught. As you were taught, we are rooted, we are being built, we're growing. 
God is establishing us. He's, he's planting us on a firm foundation. He's planting us on Christ and in Christ. And, and it's all as we teach and learn the Word of God. As we study it week after week and day after day and pour into the Word, He establishes us. He strengthens us. There's one more thing here. It's a reference. I, I just look at it this way, as a, to the result. A reference to the result of the other three. When we walk in Him, we do so because we have been rooted in Him. And when we're rooted in Him, He begins to build us up. And as He builds us up, He establishes us on a firm foundation. And, and that leads to our, look at the text, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. When we see what God has done, when we see what God is doing, we see what God has done in our text. Colossians shows us what Jesus has done, and, and, and we see it that he's rooted us, but we see what he's doing as he's building us. When we see what God has done and what God is doing, and when we see what God is going to do in glorifying us, Thanksgiving should be our default setting. It shouldn't just be a holiday once a year, right? It's a daily thing for us that we're thankful in all things. It shows us here why we can rejoice in our suffering. How can we rejoice in that? Because in our suffering, we know that God's using it to make us more like Jesus. And when we look at the suffering and see God must be doing something to make us more like Jesus, we can rejoice in the suffering and the troubles. It shows us how we're to struggle for the body of Christ so that it's encouraged, as we saw last week, and knit together in love and giving all that we have to, to be mature and to present others mature because we know what Jesus is doing. And it leads us to thanksgiving. God's working in us. If we're believers, he's working in us. He's conforming us into the image of Christ. So, so we work, as we saw already, we toil with, with His power. We agonize with His energy. And we do everything we can to walk in Him day after day. When you look at this passage, it gives us some points of self-inspection, doesn't it? Have you received Christ? Have you received Him? Do you... Do you know that you're rooted in him? Are you being built? Is there evidence of the fruit in your life? I know everyone bears fruit differently. I know we, we grow at different paces, but, but if we're in Christ, we grow. We grow. Have you been rooted? Are you being built? Are you walking in him? Are you walking in Jesus now? Are you as saturated in Christ? Are you as saturated in your faith as you are in your favorite team? Are you planted in Jesus? Are your roots growing deeper in Jesus? Are you stronger today than you were a year ago? Are we... Are we growing in our faith? Are you being built up in him, becoming more and more like him, established in the faith? Or are we 
just chasing every wind of doctrine. Just blowing back and forth. Unfortunately, we see too much of those in the church who just seem to run from this to that, but there's no rooting. Listen, ultimately, I think the question would be, are we thankful? Does Thanksgiving dominate our mind, our thoughts, our words, our lives? I'll be honest, the other night, Carson was coming through town, and he needed some help to do something, and over at my dad's house, and he wanted me to meet him at 9.30 at night. And I said, Carson, I'm in bed by then, son. I was grumpy. Just grumpy about it. Yeah, all right. I'm, you know, grumpy to Kim and grumpy to KJ. And I thought about that this week. Why do we get grumpy? My wife doesn't get grumpy much except at my grumpiness. Why? Maybe it's because we've forgotten what Jesus has done in us and what he's doing. And, and instead of getting the globe head where we think the world revolves around us, we just look for a moment and see it revolves around Jesus. And so when I'm suffering, instead of being grumpy, I could say, Jesus, what are you doing here? I can be honest and say, Jesus, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But I trust you. And I'm going to praise you and I'm going to thank you for what you're doing. So back to where we started. We don't earn it. We'll never earn it. We'll never earn what Jesus did for us. We receive it. It's a gift. It's grace. But shouldn't we live every moment of our life not in trying to earn it, but in awe? in awe of what he's done. In awe that he would save me. That he would save us. That should make us thankful. And the way we think, the way we speak, and the way we live. Amen? Let me ask you to bow your heads for a moment. I'm very aware in a moment like this that in any group of this size there could be those who have never trusted in Christ you've never truly trusted in Christ and, and I would just ask you today I would ask you to look inside you don't have to have fancy words and But you do have to believe that what Jesus did for you is enough. That there's no other way you can be saved, that you cannot earn it. And you trust in what he did and you believe in him and say, Lord, I, I believe what you did for me on that cross is sufficient. And I receive you as my Lord. And by your spirit, I will follow you. By your power, I will follow you. If you've never done that, I would encourage you even now to whisper those words to God. If your heart is calling you that right now to do that, that's the Spirit. Listen to Him. 
And if you have been born again, are you growing in him? Have you looked at it as just something you've done, but you've let other things kind of dominate your life lately? Are you walking in him as you once did? I love that song that we sing. If ever I loved you, my Jesus, it's now. Is that true of us? Can we, can we look at a time in our life when we loved him more? Can we look back and say, this is when I walked with him more? Or is today the day? You're walking with him as deeply and as purely as you ever have. That's the goal. Not everyone here is in that place right now. But you ask God to forgive you and come back. Come back to him. Like the father and the prodigal sons, he, he receives you with his arms wide open. He brings you back into the house. He restores the fellowship. The relationship's already there. He, he restores the fellowship. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you for this text. God, I thank you for what you've done in Christ to save us, to keep us saved. And I ask you, Lord, to, to help us not quickly forget this. I know what will happen if we're, if we're not persistent. The cares of this world will snatch away this concern in our heart. The word has been sown. And we want it to go deep into the deep recesses of our life, bone and marrow and soul and spirit. And we want it to bear fruit. So God, please, break up the fallow ground, the unfallow ground. Take out the rocks and let it go deep in us and bear fruit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If God's calling you to do something public, We'll give you a chance to do that. Tim and I will be happy to meet you at the front if you need to come publicly. Or if it's private, you do whatever it is. I can promise you, if you need to come, whether to kneel and pray or to pray with one of us, there's not a person in this room who wouldn't gladly get out of your way so you can come. So you'll be obedient. Let's stand together and sing.
Amen. Tim's going to be in the foyer. Ronnie will be over here. I'll be at this store. We'd love to direct you to any Sunday school class if you don't have a class. And, or ask somebody next to you where they go to Sunday school and find out. And let's make sure we're a part of small groups. Also, the ushers are at the door. I want to encourage you to receive that $10 challenge. What I mean by that is if each giving unit in our church would give $10 more a week, we would well meet our budget and go over and be able to do the ministry we've called, been called to do. Thank you. We had a great business meeting last Wednesday where we found out that over $18,000 over, over the budget that was given last year. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I just encourage you with this. Register for the Wednesday night meals. That'll be, you need to do that by tomorrow. And then also, ladies, you, there'll be somebody in the office and also in the NPR if you'd like to go to the Kelly Mentor tick, um, event and you need help with the tickets. They'll be there. God bless you. Take care of yourself.